a series looking at the heart and the tongue and the close correlation of how they're knit together and really tied together throughout the scripture. Now, one of the things about Creekside is we don't dodge some of the difficult talks and the difficult issues here. And so today is one of those. If this is your first time here, ah, we're thrilled you're here. A lot of good news, but some of the stuff I'm going to talk about today is kind of bad news. But we're going to try and put it into the spin of the good news. But I'm convinced that one of the most difficult things that people deal with is their tongue. We've talked the last two weeks about the heart. And it really, Jesus said it this way, really what comes out of your mouth is really totally connected with your heart. And, and some of us have talked about we need a heart transplant. We need Jesus to come in and, and to graciously and gently, but yet firmly massage it and to change some of the things in there. Proverbs says this, that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Can you believe, I mean, listen, you can speak life or you can speak death to people, to situations. But I don't know about you, but my ultimate desire is to please God in every way and every day. And one of the things that will always be crucial and critical for that to take place is what comes out of my mouth. Proverbs 19.14 says this, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in thy sight, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Oh, Jesus, that everything that I would say to a person, to my spouse, to my kids, to the church, to my friends, to the people at work, would be pleasing in his sight. That the meditation of my heart, those things that I think about day in and day out, oh, God, that they'd be pleasing. Well, today I want to talk about some of the, the bad and the ugly. So let's get right to it. First issue we got to deal with with our mouth is what? Gossip. Boy, it got quiet, didn't it? Gossip. Aren't we all just a little bit enticed and enamored with this tough subject? I mean, honestly, don't we either want to be included in it, to be in the know, or sometimes to bring people around us? into our no? I mean, there's something about gossip that just appeals to our fleshly nature, our carnal being. God, I want to know. Or if I know, I'd like to tell. And isn't it true we can always find people that will lend us an ear? Gossip Really, don't we think it's one of those small things for people and for Christ followers? Aren't we able to just about justify anything that comes out of our mouth? No, really. We can say just about anything and somehow spin it. Small group discussion or prayer time. Well, hallelujah, we just want to, you know, bring it to Jesus. Ever been there? A false concern? Hmm, let me know. I'd like to know what I can do about that. But of course, there's some that just don't care either. I just want to know, and I'm going to find out. And if I find out, I'm going to tell. I don't care. And then there's others. You know, you kind of take the America, Americano way. I'm an American. I got First Amendment rights and privileges by golly freedom of speech. You're not going to restrict me. True. But I want to say this, and it's really important. Sometimes there are Christ followers 
who forget that we're really not under the Constitution. We're under this thing called the B-I-B-L-E, which takes precedence over the Constitution. And sometimes your free right gets trumped by God's care for other people. Some feel it's really not that big of a deal to God. I mean, he really doesn't care, does he? I mean, he forgives. I mean, gossip's one of those things. That's just, you know, it's, it's not a big deal. I mean, God just forgives that one as quickly as possible. I mean, it's not like murder, is it? Oh, sure it is. It's called character assassination. Where some of those things that we say let come out of our mouth. Oh, we got to smile when we do it, but it is as malicious as murder sometimes. Because what we want to do is hurt people. We want to bring people down instead of build them up. See, Proverbs says this, a troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Do you get that? What does a seed do? They plant seeds of strife. So over here, they just kind of plant it. And then there's little ways that it gets watered. And then finally it comes to fruition. But it's a bitter fruit. Because that verse goes on to say in Proverbs, his gossip separates the best of friends. See, this is, this is such an enemy of grace, loved ones. It's such an enemy of unity and an enemy of love. Because what people do is they use their opinions and their persuasions to influence other people, often in the negative. And what it does, whether it's at work, in the lunchroom, or around the water cooler, or in a community like this, or even in families, it creates a very unsafe place for people. See, one of the biggest issues, it's one of the biggest issues that breaks down community. And instead of reaching out to build others up, what do we do? We establish speech patterns that pull others down. It pulls them down or it pulls them into negative circumstances or situations that we want to make them toxic to or cause toxic to come to them toward the situations. And over time, for a lot of people, listen, it's kind of like lying. It becomes a habit. I'm not happy, so I don't want anybody else happy. I'm in misery, so I'll bring you into my misery. I don't agree with this, so I want you not to agree with it. But remember this, that whoever gossips to you will probably gossip about you someday. And never forget that. So you watch those people who want to come to you and talk about all these different things. And there's some that say, well, you know, Terry, I mean, come on. It's not that big a deal. I mean, if I do it around my house, it's not that big a deal. If I just, you know, talk around the table with my wife. Do you know how many kids grow up that leave the church because of what's talked about at the dinner table? Because they hear how bad the people are in church or how bad the pastor is or how bad this person is or how bad that person is? You'd be surprised at how many kids are affected. Their lives become toxic toward the church. But if you study this topic, you're going to see God's really serious about it. Matter of fact, he doesn't wink at it. He doesn't think it's not that big of a deal. You study it out in the Bible, we're going to look at it here. You study it, you're going to find out God hates it. And I believe this, he ultimately won't allow it or justify it in any way, shape, or form with our lives, especially those who call on the name of the Lord. Sooner or later, there will be the consequences where it will begin to cave in around us and will expose. Oh, we can get away with it for a season, but sooner or later, it will affect our spirit 
and those around us. Let me just quickly define it in a couple of ways. Number one, if you want to define gossip, it's this. It's when you tell the right information to the wrong people. See, people oftentimes say, well, you know, it's, it's the truth. You can't handle the truth. See, people think that gossip oftentimes is made up of like innuendo rumors and false stuff. That's really what gossip is. No, gossip can oftentimes and often is the truth. It's things that we know is true and we want to speak it. But the intent of our heart is to hurt and to maim, not to build with the truth. And remember this, that just because we always speak it doesn't mean that it's the truth. Okay, oh wow, pastor, are you saying that we shouldn't, that we should just cover up things? Not, not at all. Scripture does say this, that love covers a multitude of sins. The idea there isn't that we cover it up and stash it and make sure that it never gets taken care of, because I'm a firm believer that sin has to be dealt with, whether before God or in serious situations. But this is the issue. We never expose to hurt. We only uncover to redeem and to bring people back into their original purpose and place that God has for them. But it's never to go, did you know? Because that's to expose, done to expose and to hurt. So the first thing is, is gossip could be defined as when you tell the right information to the wrong people. I may have some truth, but if I tell it to the wrong person, I'm doing that to hurt the person that I'm talking about. Second part is this, is you tell the wrong information to anyone. People are convinced that they know what the truth is, but oftentimes it may simply be rumor, hunches, hearsay, but they'll share it for the intent to hurt. That's how we kind of define gossip. But the biggest issue is anytime you say anything about anybody or any situation to make it toxic to somebody else, a situation, or you want to make a malicious negative statement about somebody to expose them, that's gossip. And God hates it. So why is it so bad? Well, number one, it shows a lack of integrity. It really does. It reveals a lack of integrity if you can't hold a confidence. Proverbs eleven thirteen says this, a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy man keeps a secret. Who's a trustworthy person? It's a person that's whole in their being. They're integrous. They don't have to expose things. They can hold it in and say, I love you enough to not cover this like I'm trying to hide it. But once it's been dealt with before the blood of Christ and in whatever area it needs to be dealt with, I can cover this and nobody else needs to know because I love you. I care for you. I want to live as a person and of integrity. So when you're given information that you can't keep, it shows a lack of integrity in your life. Have you ever seen someone that just kind of lets information slip out? Whoops, I didn't mean to say that. No, it's true though. So we got to learn that we got to discipline our tongue and it comes with a transformed heart. 1 Peter 4, 8 says this, and Proverbs 10, 12 says this, love covers a multitude of sins. Again, I'm not talking about concealing, but we're not talking about exposing to hurt somebody. It shows a lack of integrity. How about this? It destroys relationships. How many of you have had to deal with being betrayed at a relational, a relational level because of what somebody has said? How, how many have experienced that? Wow, not many of you. Good for you. 
Man, thank God. I am talking to the wrong group this morning. Is that really all? Raise your hands again. I want to see. Oh, there we go. Okay, yeah, yeah, there we go. You see, most of us have been hurt by this thing called gossip. Proverbs 16, 28 says this, a perverse man stirs up dissension and gossip separates close friends. It does a death blow to relationships like few other things, friends. All of us know how hard it is to to rebuild trust once it's been broken. How difficult it is to get back into good trusting graces of another person that we've betrayed. See, I'm a pastor, and I don't let that out a lot. I was golfing the other day, and uh, last Monday with some guys, and one of the guys thought he'd be funny, and there was this group that kept coming up to us, and they go, I'll give you five bucks if you can guess what this guy's pointing to me does for a living. You know, give you three guesses. This was really scary. I was at jury duty. The same thing happened. I'm sitting there reading a book in jury duty. This gal looks at me. She goes, are you a preacher? <laughs> and I go, I don't know. Do I look like one? Well, no, not really, but I mean, you just look like you kind of, kind of, I just kind of got this vibe. I'm not kidding. That's what she said. I just got this vibe that you were a preacher. And I go, oh my gosh, I've never wanted to look like a preacher <laughs> or act like one generally. And then we're golfing. And this one guy goes, ah, must be law enforcement. <laughs> no, that was Freddie who we were golfing with. And then finally this lady goes, must be a reverend. I said, are you kidding? I mean, you know, it's like, man, my cover's being blown. I don't know what I got to do. But, you know, the, the, the reason I don't like that is because there's really a lot of flim-flam guys out there. You know, you see some of them on TV. Not all of them, but some of them. You hear all of the stories. And I think, oh, God with this congregation, with this community. I want to build trust. I don't ever want to betray that trust. It's not, I'm as imperfect as anybody. But one of the things about being in a place for 17, 18 years, guess what? You get to see the real deal. And I don't want to betray that because I understand how easily or how difficult that can be, how much time it takes to rebuild that. But when a relationship, friends, is violated by gossip or slander, it can never be the same. Now, I don't want to stereotype this, but I can't count the number of ladies who have come to churches, and I deal with a lot of churches now, who come to churches, and even this church, and said, yeah, I'm not going to get involved because I can't trust other women. I've been hurt before by them in many other churches. I go, how sad. Imagine how much ministry doesn't happen because some of these gifted women are on the sidelines. Imagine how many women are lonely because they can't step out and trust another woman. Now listen, I've seen men, I've I've had men betray me significantly, and I know it happens, but it it does seem to be the preponderance. Have you ever had a man come to me and say, I'm not going to get involved because another guy burned me? I haven't. But it happens all the time with ladies because they say, I can't trust a group of ladies. And I go, oh God, how sad. Now having said that, I say this with much pastoral love and care, but don't use that as an excuse. Get over the hurt. Get beyond the pain. Get healed. 
so that you can experience the grace of God and move forward and not lose what God has for you because of a past pain. Don't continue to carry it with you. Let it go. Take it before the cross. Take it before Jesus, the one who can heal you. And allow him to bring healing and health so that you can move from the sidelines and be in the highest stakes games of town. And that's reaching people for Jesus Christ and not just be a pew sitter, but one who's fully engaged in the work and purposes that God has for you. This is what I know, friends. Friendships and relationships are too hard to build, too difficult to come by, and they are way too valuable to allow them to be destroyed or deconstructed because of our words. Don't allow that to happen. But also, gossip will corrupt us, and this is probably the most damaging. Proverbs 18.8 says this, the, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a man's innermost parts. I love how the message puts it. Listening to gossip is like eating cheap candy. You, you really want that junk in your belly? Oh, man, Thanksgiving. My mama's husband, Dick, who I just love, and he's a wonderful guy, but he does this thing. He always brings candy over. I mean, just candy and candy and candy. And I had this gut ache the other night because I just ate way too much Thanksgiving day and evening and morning. And I got the first thing I could on Thanksgiving morning, and the first thing I did is eat a piece of candy. That is not a smart thing to do at my age. But you know what? It just, it just leaves a bad feeling in your gut. And then all of a sudden, your whole body just kind of begins to race. Yeah, that feeling? That's kind of what gossip does to us. We take it in. It tastes good initially. But then there begins to be this really kind of sick, uncomfortable feeling. And so when someone gossips or hears or receives gossip or the negative stuff that people like to share, you know, it, it sounds kind of sweet coming in, doesn't it? But it's so important, loved ones, that you hear this. Ultimately, it'll make you sick. It'll make you toxic toward whatever it is you hear. How many times have people said things to you, and all of a sudden you go, are you kidding? Is that right? Are you serious? I never thought of it that way. Well, I'm mad about that too. Or are you, they did, uh, well, that I'm going to look at them differently now. Someone has a B for a problem with someone or something. What do they want to do? They want to build a coalition. I'll get everybody to join my rainy day parade, or as many people as I can. I'll infect them with my negativity, and maybe they'll sign on with me. I mean, you know, misery loves company, so let's take as many people with us as we can. I really believe this. Anybody with any semblance of a relational IQ will begin to pick up on that very quickly. And they'll go, what's the point? What's the issue? What's wrong with this person's heart that they want to do that? And sometimes if you listen closely, read closely, you'll see and hear the words drip with sarcasm 
and cynicism. And most of the time you'll see this. It's not a one-time happening. That's their, not their words, that's their heart coming out. That's what Jesus says. You're experiencing their heart, not just their words. Corrupts us. And when you've been corrupted, you know what you want to do? You want to corrupt others. Because it just makes you feel good about your bad feelings. That's why the writer of Proverbs, it's been one of our theme verses, Proverbs chapter 4, 23. Above all else, guard your heart, for out of it come the wellsprings of life. I listen to people, friends all the time, and this isn't being judgmental, but it's making judgments. There's a big difference. I listen, and I can tell where the heart's coming from. I can tell what the motive is. And we can smile about it, but there's still oftentimes a malicious intent that has to be dealt with. Another thing is, is, is gossip's really divisive. Very divisive. Notice Proverbs 28, uh, 26, 20 says this, without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. See, gossip or words become like something that's piled on a fire. The more wood you put on it, the bigger the flame. And, and that's really what the, the writer of Proverbs is saying. The more gossip, listen, the more gossip, that's, the flame's going to get bigger. But guess what? You stop the gossip, you stop the talking, and how quickly the flame will die down. Ultimately, because people say, this is silliness, this is stupid. I need to move on to bigger picture stuff. See, it's a real small church mentality sometimes, but people like to get in small churches or smaller churches because they can kind of wield influence more. And they can begin to talk about things and get their own coalition going. And then they can kind of divide and conquer because they get a following of people. Now, this is what's interesting when it comes to these issues. It's not usually over biblical principle. It's over personal preference. This is what I want. This is what I expect. This is what I want. And I want everybody else to feel the same way I do about it so they'll follow along. Oh, Jesus. I am dealing with churches now that we walk in and that's what we hear about. We don't hear about biblical principles, about reaching the lost. We don't hear about people breaking broken hearts over reaching people for Jesus Christ. We hear about, mm, they moved the altar. <laughs> the piano, they moved it to the other side of the stage. What a sour note. And you're thinking, I'm kidding, I'm not. And then we wonder, why does the light of God go out of a church in a community? It's probably not because they, it's probably because they lose their focus on the outward and pretty soon everything inward becomes the issue. What do I want? What do I think is right? What is my preference? Most have heard sad, sad church settings and situations where this has happened. Some of you even come out of them. 
And I'm fortunate for the most part, Creekside hasn't had to deal with a lot of this. Can I tell you something? The early church had a very low tolerance for gossip and division. Let me just tell you what Paul said. Titus 3, 8 and 10, he said this, I want you to put your foot down. I want you to take a firm stand on these matters so that those who have put their trust in God will, listen to this, concentrate on the essentials that are good for everyone. Would you just underline that in your heart? That becomes the ultimate issue that we deal with the essentials that are right for everyone so that we can move forward to reach Jesus Christ. And I'll guarantee you, loved ones, if every church did that, you wouldn't have church splits. You wouldn't have little churches. Most churches preach the word. Most per- churches, though, may not be able to get beyond personal preferences to move out and live with biblical principles. Stay away from mindless, pointless quarreling over genealogies and the fine print of the law code. That gets you nowhere. Warn a quarrelsome person once or twice. (laughs) But then be done with them. It's obvious that such a person is out of line, rebellious against God. By persisting in divisiveness, literally, listen, he cuts himself off. He basically carves himself away from the body because sooner or later, people can pick up where that person's coming from. It becomes exposed. It's not hidden. And the only other people that are really attracted to that are those who say, I want to gossip and be divisive as well. And that's probably a good time for those people to move on. But that's what they would do in the early church. Why is this such an issue? Because, see, the early church knew there was incredible power in unity. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 131, how blessed it is for the brethren to dwell in unity, to come together as one. Because when you're united, you're not so spread out. You are focused to bring healing to a community. It's not a light like this. It is like a, it is like a, like a laser. What do they use lasers for to come and to bring healing? Because it is so strong and so focused. And that's what the early church knew. As long as we're united, we can do what God's called us to do. And I'm not talking about unity being uniformity, loved ones. But where there's a sense of this is what the church is all about. Hear God's heart on this matter. In your notes there, you can read it. Proverbs 6, 12 through 14 and 16 through 19 says this. Note that it starts. God hates six things. No, God, he doesn't hate, he, God hates six. Oh no, he detests seven things. Now this numerical progression is kind of a rhetorical device used as a, in, in, to the Hebrews as a, as a memory device. But it's also a way to build to a climax. The numbers add progression, but also emphasis to God's heart and focus on this matter. So notice what it says. A scoundrel and villain who goes about with a corrupt mouth, who plots evil with a deceit in his heart, he always stirs up dissension. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him, haughty eyes, lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and get this, number seven, ding, 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 the hit list, 
a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. So you see this progress from hate to detestable. Detestable is the strongest expression of hatred for wickedness that God could speak. I tell you what, let me just put this in our vernacular. This really ticks God off. How do people use, how do people establish dissension? If I stood up here and never said anything and never did anything, I wouldn't, I would never bring forth dissension, would I? How do you do it? It's with words, spoken, written, whatever. That's how we establish dissension. See how many of us like to do, deal with dissension? Trey, tell me one good thing about Scott. Okay. He loves to play the guitar, loves to worship. Yeah. See, he's a pretty good guy, isn't he? Yeah. Now, if I told you that Scott ripped off Whitney for about $10,000, would you notice his worship or would you be thinking on Sunday morning his $10,000 that he ripped your friend off from, do you think? Might be a little upset, yeah. See, that's how gossip works. See, as soon as I begin to share something, I begin to divide. And now what she just said, Scott loves Jesus. See, what I should do is say, Scott, listen, this is what I heard. I just want to know, has it been dealt with? Have you taken care of it? Because see, that's what God says to do. And see, we don't, see, this is, oh, this is what's so sad about churches too. And, and, and listen, you deal with this at work, I know, but you can't really say anything to them because they don't believe in the Bible, most of them. So what do you got to do? We got to come back to the Bible. What does the Bible say? We had a little staff meeting on this a couple months ago. And this is what I told the staff after we worked through this, and I shared an email that was kind of different. But I said, this is what we're going to commit to as a staff of leadership. If somebody wants to say something bad about one of us, we're going to say the first thing is, and this is biblical, Matthew 18, Matthew 5. Matthew 5 says, if someone's got a problem with you, not you've got a problem with them, but they've got a problem with you, you, you go see them before you come and worship, Right? Matthew 18, there's a passage in there where it talks about forgiveness in the church. And it says you have a responsibility if you've got a problem with somebody to go to them how? With a coalition? No. One-on-one. Get it out there. Take care of it. Belly up to it. Man up to it. Woman up to it. Don't build your, well, you know, Scott did this. And I, oh, 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 I can't believe it. So pretty soon, there's about 10 toxic people that are now upset with Scott. Or they may not show up, but they'll be sitting there thinking during worship, hmm, did he or didn't? Hey, Bob, do you know, did did Scott do that? I don't know. I'll find out. Pretty soon, (laughs) you you see the ripple effect? But it takes courage. This is what I want to challenge us to do as a church. Let's be biblical. If somebody wants to come and talk to you about somebody... What should you do? Talk to the hand. And this is what I say now. First thing, biblical, Matthew 18. Have you talked to so-and-so about that? Well, uh, no, I, uh, you're the pastor, so I thought I'd talk to you. Go talk to so-and-so. That's what you're supposed to do. Now, this is, and and, and listen, probably some of you will never come and talk to me again, but this is what I say now. 
If, if somebody starts talking to me, I, I, I find out where they're going, then I say, better stop right there. Because now you've got two options. I, I give them two options. Either you go talk to them, or I'm going to bring them into this conversation, and then we'll talk to them together. How about that? Um, it's really not that bad, Pastor. <laughs> but now listen, I put a comma there, and this is what I do next. Now, I'm going to give you, you need to go talk to that person because biblically, you've got an issue with them. And the Bible says, don't go worship until you take care of it. Or if you've got an issue with them, you be the one that's assertive and you go deal with it. And I'm going to call you in 48 hours to find out if you've done it. And the third thing I say to him is this, and if I hear one word from somebody else that you've talked about it without dealing with it, I'm going to give you a call. You know why? Because now I have a responsibility as a pastor to deal with it biblically and to say, I am not going to let anything come in here and hurt this flock. Now, I want to guarantee you something, loved ones, and I say this with incredible pastoral passion and compassion. You start doing that, you won't have a lot of people coming talking to you about other people or situations. I guarantee you. And can you imagine if 400 people did that? Well, we wouldn't have gossip now, would we? And, 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 I, and I say this, thank God, it's not a problem here. But sometimes it just kind of, you know, but you do that, and you're not, because this is, this is what I do. This is, and I'm almost done. I'm going to cut it here, and I'm going to finish this in a week, because i got one week I can work with in this series. I'll finish this next week. But this is what I want to say about this. You do that, because there's certain people, you know what they are? This is what I ask people. They always come to me with negative stuff. And this is, I, how come you're a receptacle of cr crud? Why is, it you, why is it that everybody comes to you and you come to me with the stuff? You know why? Because they'll listen. You know why? Because they probably engage in it. You know why? Because they're open to it. And if you've got a line of people coming to you talking about stuff, that should tell you something. It means you're listening. It means you are a receptacle. What's a receptacle? It's another word for a garbage bin. And friends, a few things break this down in a community than this issue. Now I'm going to put a comma there because next week I'm going to talk about destructive words and I'm going to talk about complaining. So we'll stop here. And I'm going to invite you, if you would, to stand with me as the worship team comes and Again, if you're, if you're a guest here today, um, th this series was planned a long time ago, so it's not the pastor coming and taking shots because, boy, we're gossiping people. We're a very gracious and God-honoring people. But just when you talk about the heart and tongue, you, you can't get through the Scriptures, loved ones, without hearing God's heart on this. Can I tell you something as a church? I want everybody in this church to hate and to detest gossip and slander, whether it's here in your work, in your family. Trina came home, and Trina came home 
last week and just a lot of stuff, you know, in the school districts with people getting laid off. And she goes, God, I'm so thankful that I'm reading my devotional. <laughs> because if I didn't, I wouldn't be reminded of this. And today would have been the perfect day to just start slashing and burning everything and everybody because the office was so toxic. And instead, she said, I just got to stand up and walk away. Friends, we're going to be known for the words that we speak. And I want us to be known as people who are always building up, not beating down. Speaking the best about people, not the worst. Not taking our little causes and preferences and trying to build a coalition around them because we forget that God's called us to reach the lost, to bring them to the cross of Jesus Christ. Is that your heart? Is that your heart to want to speak life to people instead of death? Is that your heart to want to build people up instead of take them down? Is it? How many would say, yeah, Pastor, I, I want to be a candidate for death. That's how I want to live. Can I see your hand? I want to make sure that we're on the same page here. Is there anybody that says, no, Pastor, I just want to, I just want to bellyache and complain and beat people down. That's me. There are a couple of losers back here. One of them's on my staff. I told you I was going to fire him. I don't think that's you. I know Creeksiders. And I want to go out and speak life to a dying world. And I want to speak life to any dying situation. Amen? Amen. I'm going to invite you up.